So we've been talking about strength for the journey, and now today I want to end this sermon series talking about enjoying the journey. You're going to have to have a rhythm of life that God has shown us in his word if you're really going to enjoy the journey. You're not going to have the strength for the journey if you're not enjoying life. Well, how, how, how does that look? what does that look like? Ecclesiastes 8.15 says this, So I commend to you the enjoyment of life. Huh. God wants you to enjoy life. There's too many sour-faced Christians that aren't enjoying life. Why is that? Well, he says enjoy life because nothing is better for a man under the sun than to eat, drink, and be glad. Then joy will accompany him in his work all the days of his life God has given him under the sun. So enjoyment, glad, joy, all in that verse. Some Christians are so uptight and cranky. And often it's because they're not living life with balance. They work, work, work. Get ahead, get the car, get the house, get a bigger one, get a better one. Go home, do the lawn, make sure it matches with the Joneses. Work, work, work. Efficiency, efficiency. And there's no enjoyment of life that's even part of the quotient. Even when you go fishing, even when you go camping, man, you just jam for three days, get it ready, get it there, and there's not really any rest or relaxation sometimes. The life of a workaholic will never be fully enjoyed the way God intended. So three, three things, and I'm on the first already. Just hold it in your heart that God had in mind that he wants you to enjoy life. When he created you, he wants you to enjoy life. Listen to these verses. They might surprise you. There's a time to cry and a time to laugh. Huh, God wants times of laughter. A time to grieve, a time to dance. Huh, laughing, dancing, these are happy moment things, right? John 10.10, 10, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And by the way, if he can't do it with your life, he'll do it with your time. He'll steal, kill, and destroy. But it says, my purpose is, given, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And that's not talking about money. Money's the least of God's blessing. The richness there is richness in life. So God wants you to live a satisfying life. Another version says, fulfilled life. Proverbs 17.22, a cheerful heart is a good medicine. Proverbs 15.15, for a happy heart... Life is a continual feast. So God wants that heaviness and that edge that's always there to fall away so joy can fill your heart. He's talking about laughter and dancing and satisfaction and cheer and happiness. These are things that he wants for us. These are in things that would add up to enjoyment in life. I find it interesting in the Bible that God created uh, feasts and festivals for the, for the people in the Old Testament. I, I mean, there are about a dozen of them where he'd say, hey, I want you to remember this day. I want you to gather with friends and family. I want you to eat some meat, right? There's, there's not really food. If, I mean, it's not you know, a meal if there's no meat. I want you to eat some meat. <laughs> and and I, I, I want you to, to enjoy one another and remember what I've done. And he, and he creates about a dozen of those so we could get together, have fun, and enjoy him. Now that ought to wake us up a little bit to the fact that he wants us to hang out together and enjoy life and enjoy him. This past week, I um, was able to get together with the pastors and their spouses at, at uh, Pastor Josh's house, our children's pastor. And uh, it was so fun. We had all this great food, lots of meat, and, and we, 
we, we sat around a fire pit that he and Pastor Doug had just built that week with the sand that they brought in. There wasn't enough chairs, so they had to bring out, you know, to sit in the sand, just the four-legged chairs. And Roger sat in his, and it was slowly sinking into the sand. So I made notice of that, and then I sat in mine, and I slowly sank down as well. And then pretty soon, we were like, hey, let's eat sushi. You know, we just crossed our legs, and we're on the ground. And, and, and we were having so much fun just talking around the fire. Now, we didn't even do a lot of God stuff. I mean, there were stories, you know, every now and then, but we didn't talk ministry. We didn't talk strategy. We do that in other locations. We, we laughed together. We had fun together. And, and I believe God liked it. And I believe that we need those times. I also met with the, the elders and their wives this past week, and we had uh, great food and fellowship, and, and, and we had so much fun. I want to tell you something. The elders of this church are, are such godly men their wives are so amazing. We are so blessed. The, the pastors and their spouses are such incredible people. If, if I could make a list for one of the reasons I've been able to stay so long and enjoy what God's given me here to do, even with all the pressure, it would be because of the wonderful people that have surrounded me, the wonderful people that I get to have fellowship with on a regular basis, the wonderful people that love me no matter what, and I love them. And it's, it's, I believe that this is part of what God wants for our lives, this fellowship with friends and others around us. Are there any moments like that created in your schedule? Exodus 31, 16 says this, the people of Israel must keep the Sabbath day by observing from generation to generation. Now that's one of the 10 commandments in Exodus 20, that, that you should observe the Sabbath. Some people think that's the only one that's uh, not observable anymore of the Ten Commandments, that that one somehow has passed away. I don't think it has. True, it's talking about Saturday in the Bible, but nevertheless, the principle of a day of rest is a principle that's in the Bible, and it's one I think we need to follow if we're gonna have a rhythm to get our batteries recharged and enjoy life. And I would suggest this to you. For most of you, Sunday is your Sabbath. Some of you work on Sunday. I talked to someone this morning already who does. But, but most of you can come to Sunday and you can worship the Lord. And I'd encourage you to do this. It's just a thought. It's, this is not necessarily in the Word. But they weren't busy on the Sabbath in the Word in the Old Testament. I would encourage you to get all your work done in your yard before Sunday. I'd encourage you not to take it to clean the house or, or, or whatever it may be. As much as possible, let it be a day of worship and rest. Let it be a day where you go back and you get to relax a little bit. Let those batteries get recharged. And you say, well, I don't need that. Huh. Well, look who does need it. Verse 17, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, but on the seventh day he stopped working and was refreshed. So you don't need it, but God does. Okay, you're just a little better, aren't you? Well, the point, I'm being facetious, is we do need it. We need it. I don't, I don't know if God needed to be refreshed. He either needed to be refreshed or he wanted us to know it as a priority for our own lives. But he did it. And he said, I want you to do it too. So that rest, uh, it, it just helps us to know that it's not all about performance, that it's not all about um, productivity. Seven years ago when I went on my sabbatical, I had, uh, <clears throat> I had no idea how worn out I was. We had just built this facility. We'd gone through two or three years of fundraising in four different campaigns, church, community, uh, personal donor, and school. And I led all four of those campaigns over a two-year period. And, uh, you know, when you're, when you're about to build something like this and you're raising just millions of dollars, miracles the Lord did, you get criticized. You know, 
this people, you could feed people so much if you didn't do that. You'd have people come and say that or write and say that. And I found it interesting that the people who said it didn't give to the poor, but the, you know, they thought uh, we should do better. But I want you to know we do 300,000 to a half a million a year just works beyond us. And because this church is being raised up, the bigger it gets, we'll do millions beyond us. And I know it's not about buildings, but anyway, I'm getting sidetracked here. Um, so I'm, I'm just completely worn out, and I don't know it. I get on sabbatical, and I find out how tired I really am. God is my witness. I'm embarrassed to say it, but 40 days in, I did not feel right. And I thought, what is wrong with me? 40 days, and I don't feel good. And, uh, but luckily, I had the summer. And... Uh, <clears throat> I felt like, a, like, like I was in a brand new shiny car and it was going fast down the road and everybody looked happy, but I'm the guy looking at the tank that says it's empty and knowing I could run out at any moment in this shiny new car, you know? And it was just emotional exhaustion. So we get on this sabbatical and to my surprise, the thing that the Lord shows me in, in the first half of my sabbatical especially was that I don't have to perform for him. Now that's the way I'm gonna couch it, but, but, but I think I had uh, this mentality that I, I work for God and he's pleased with me if I can get souls and if I can be productive, that, you know, that, that, that that's what pleases him. Well, what, what he wanted to show me on my sabbatical is, no, you don't have to do any of that for me to love you. I already love you as much as I can. I want you to live life in such a way that you know that, that I enjoy you and I want you to enjoy me. That's what I felt him saying. So you don't have to produce. So here I am not doing anything, you know, going to church on the weekends, which I will do on my sabbatical, but not here. I'll be out of town as much as possible. Don't call me. I won't call you, okay? Just, just I'm, I'm going to take a break, but I'll, I'll come back and hit it hard. And so I'm out there like this, and the Lord just keeps giving us special blessings. One day we're driving to California, and we're looking for a place for lunch, and there's this beautiful river, and we can't find a park, and and, and I just pull over and I look down and it's just Karen and I and there's a picnic table with a grassy um, uh, pad around it and the river right there and there's nothing else, just a picnic table. And I felt like the Lord led us to this silly picnic table and I kept feeling little things like that. Wow, he wants us to have fun and I just feel like he's with us. And one of the ones that was impactful to me is we were in Hawaii with the whole family during that sabbatical. And um, we had been on an excursion on the on the ocean, and one of the guys pulled by a cove, and he said, if you guys will come back here any time in the morning this week at 9.30 in the morning, wild dolphins will come in here uh, in pods, and, and, and they'll swim around you. We said, really? And he said, yeah, not always, but 90% of the time. So the next morning, we drove 20 miles out there. We got our snorkel gear on, and we went out as a family, sat there, no dolphins. Then a few minutes later, here they came. The dolphins all came in, and I counted 50 or 60, and they started to swim around us in circles, and they, had, they were playing with leaves on their nose, you know, and playing this game, and we were watching this, and they're coming in close, and he said, don't reach for them, and they'll get even closer. So they were like this far from us. You could almost reach, you know, at times, not, not the norm, but at times they'd come in close. And then there was this one dolphin that had this baby dolphin about this long. It was the cutest thing you've ever seen. It looked like one of those little stuffed animals you see, you know. So we're watching that, and we're out there for 20 minutes thinking, this is unbelievable, you know, as a family. And then I see this baby dolphin coming up with the mom fast, but they're not circling. They're just going like this, and the little one was just going like this. And I go, my goodness, it's going to jump. So I, I put my head up, and I lift up my goggles, and sure enough, this little dolphin goes up and does about, I don't know, 1280, and, and just splats on the water 10 feet in front of me. 
I watched this and I thought, that is awesome. You know, it was so fun. And then I felt the Lord say in that moment, I did that for you just now. I like to create moments for you because I love you. You know what? Not only me, but we can get so busy sometimes, we don't even get to experience that he wants to bless us. It's not about what we can do or what we can build for his glory. It's also about him knowing us and showing us that he loves us. And that is the center where our heart can find peace and joy in life. Here's a principle for the journey. If you don't pull over and take the time to fill the tank, you will eventually run out of gas. An engine needs to rest or it will overheat. A track sprinter can't go full out for long distances. He or she must rest between races. A long distance runner must find the time to rest his or her body. That marathon runner can't run a marathon every day. The body will break down. If you run forever without rest, you will pass out or die. But when you rest, you feel better. When you feel better, your spirit is lifted, and as a result, you can lift the spirits of everyone else around you because you've got something in the tank. And if the tank is full, you worry less, and everyone gets to enjoy the journey more that is close to you. Second thought today. So God wants you to enjoy life. You've got to get that in your heart. Second thought, God wants you to enjoy your family. Now, I would, I would add friends here too. I thought about that. But I only have so much time in my sermon. And Pastor Alex hit that one great a couple weeks ago. Friends, right? So friends can fill the tank too. Uh, and, and, you know, I mentioned the, uh, the, the pastors and elders earlier. So, so let you just know that that's a factor, that you can find uh, friends uh, that really fill the tank. But I, I want to emphasize this today. God wants you to enjoy your family. You know the name Steve Jobs. I have several of the products created by his company, Apple. Steve Jobs died a couple of years ago, and his final wish was this, to get to know his children before it was too late. Great at creating business. Not so good at the whole life thing. Guy Adams... um, from Los Angeles, wrote in Independent Magazine the following. He said, Steve Jobs spent his final days surrounded by close family members and used his last interview to explain to his wife and children why he wasn't there for them. It was revealed yesterday Jobs decided to cooperate with this biographer and Walter Isaacson asked him why he would agree to it now. And Jobs said said this, I wanted my kids to know me. I wasn't there for them, and I wanted them to know why and to understand what I did. The article went on to say, Steve made choices. The biographer says, I asked him if he was glad that he had kids, and he said, it's 10,000 times better than anything I've ever done. He discovered it a little too late. He probably didn't enjoy life as much, and I bet you for sure his kids didn't enjoy life the way that God intended for them. Ecclesiastes 2.10 says this, I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. Look at this statement on the screen. Let it seep into your heart. Your significance 
will never be fully determined by the kind of work you do. It will in large part be determined by the legacy you leave those in your family. So with that in mind, let me give you a couple things concerning enjoyment and family members. The first is this, enjoy time with your spouse. Ecclesiastes 9.9, live happily, that's enjoyment, with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of life that God has given you under the sun. The wife God gives you is your reward for all your earthly toil. You know, Karen and I, um, I, I love spending time with Karen. As a matter of fact, we had a discussion earlier this year um, with some of the staff members, and we were talking about some of these people have to be shipped off to you know, Afghanistan and minister there and how hard that would be. And then we talked about living in the armpit of California, Modesto, where I once lived and how so many, so many places are, are, are just hard to be. And, and someone's saying, I couldn't do that. And I couldn't. And, and I had this thought and I just vocalized it. You know, I could pretty much be anywhere as long as Karen was there with me. I could be happy. God's given me this woman. The two are one. We walk together through life. And life isn't perfect uh, for us. You've heard me say before, I thought when we got married uh, that the two were one, but I thought the one was me. And boy, did I find out soon that, you know, that, that uh, this is a very smart woman with great thoughts and that we're going we're gonna to do this together. But we like to walk together and we like to do coffee together and we like to hang out. We, we love weekends away. And I've tried so hard through all of what I've been doing, really, it's easy for my week to get to 60 or 70 hours if I don't watch it. That might surprise you, but there's just so much to do, I can't get to all of it. And I have to understand it's the Lord that builds the house, right? And he doesn't need me to overwork and overexert myself for him to show his glory. He wants me to live with a rhythm and, uh, that, that he's called me to with rest and work and, and relationships, I'm looking forward to the sabbatical because I want to connect in even a greater way with my wife. I want to concentrate on that relationship even more. And then enjoying your children. Deuteronomy eleven nineteen. Check this out. Check, about, check out all the time elements in here. It's talking about the commandments and it says, teach them to your children. But look what you're doing. You're talking about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, you lie down. And when you get up. So all those things are time. Talking at home. Walking along the way. When you lie down, when you get up. That's a lot of time spent with, with the children. A few years ago. Actually it was many years ago. It was probably 14 years ago. Um, I, 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 my son Aaron was <clears throat> 11 at the time I believe. And in a little league playoff game playing for one of the Tualatin teams here. And we had a board meeting that night. <clears throat> and I remember feeling really guilty that I would either go to the game and miss the board meeting or go to the board meeting and miss the game, you know, just torn. Feeling that I needed to be responsible for work and yet be there as a dad. And there's that tension we live with, isn't there? <clears throat> but I called one of the elders and said, hey, if, if I come late, I, you know, there's a game and I think I'd only be about 45 minutes late. Do you think that the, the other elders would be okay with it? And he said, oh, yeah, pastor, we got it. I'll do a devotion, and we'll do the first order on the agenda, and, 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 and you'll be there in no time. And I said, oh, okay, then I'm going to go to the game. So I remember the game's going on. It's a really tight game, and 
I remember looking at my watch at about 7 o'clock and thinking, oh, man, they're having a meeting and I'm not there, and feeling guilty. <clears throat> then the game got intense, and the bases were loaded, and Aaron came up to bat. And he got a hold of one, man, hit it so far over the center fielder's head that, that he rounded first, second, and third, and he, and he hit home plate standing up as they were just throwing it in. <clears throat> and everybody's going crazy because it was a close game. And when he hit that plate, he had such a huge smile on his face, and he shot a look right up to me. And it was just a great moment for me as a dad to think, oh, man, he's having fun, and I was here for it. And then in a moment, I thought, oh, my word, I almost missed that. How many moments do we miss? When God says, hey, I want you to be connected. I want you to walk with them. They won't take our values unless we build relationships with them. And you love them anyway, right? So walk with them. Enjoy them. My daughter Candace was about 15, so this was seven years ago. And I was having a, a long, hard week because it was right about the time we're moving in here, right? And um, she comes home from high school and says, Dad, can, you know, you said you'd take me to Buffalo Wild Wings. Can we go tonight? And, you know, I wasn't off till 6, and I'd had meetings all day. I'm up early in the morning for an appointment, and I said, oh, I don't know, Candace. She said, please, please. And so I couldn't take that, right? So I said, okay, we'll go. I thought, I'll just go tired. So now then Buffalo Wild Wings was only at the airport. There wasn't one in Tualatin, right? So it was a drive out there. We had dinner and had fun, just the two of us. On the way home, I surprised her. She'd been wanting to ride the tram. It was brand new at the time uh, in Portland. So we went through Portland, and we went up on the tram into OHSU, and we got up there, and it's just like barren. Nobody in the hallways, you know? So there's a wheelchair there, and I said to Candace, hey, get in the wheelchair. <laughs> she said, what do you mean? I said, just get in. So she got in, and I popped a wheelie, put her way back where she's uncomfortable, and took off sprinting down the hall at OHSU. And she started screaming, and I'm like, I, you know, and I spun her around, and we went back, and then we pushed the wheelchair aside, and we sprinted out. We never, nobody said anything to us. If you... <laughs> few patients are thinking, man, someone in the next room is really in trouble, you know? We're driving home that night. The music's blaring loud. It's praise music. And I look over at Candace, 15 years old. And she's just singing at the top of her lungs a song to Jesus. And I thought, wow, I almost missed this. We got to find a rhythm. We got to find a pace that includes kids. Now, I'll be the first to tell you that if you talk to my kids about some bad moments that I've had, that I've had they'll, they'll tell you a few. I'm telling you some good ones today, but I haven't been perfect for those of you husbands who are going to have to be elbowed by your wives. I've had some bad moments too. But we got to make effort here. We got to stay connected. Here's a thought for us. Do your children believe that you enjoy them? I'm talking about enjoyment today. Now, it's one thing to raise a child and you can show love and care, and, and I think dads need to be really careful. I know I do, because if you're not careful, it's like, hey, you got to get your education, you got, you know, you got to get to work on time, you got to be early, and uh, don't forget this, and don't forget that, and you got to get those grades done, and we're all about helping them become, right? But if we're not careful, we build this pattern that makes them think that they have to perform to get our love, and it's really not about us, it's about them, and we're, and we're loving them. But do they think this, Dad? Do they know that you enjoy them? 
In the end, the thing that will help your children most in all of life is to know, I like being with you. I really like who you are. I enjoy you. You're special to me. And we need to, we need to have that happening in life. And then and this, these values we have of Jesus and our life will be taken hold of much more readily, much more easily. Because you, you know where there's rules without relationship, there's always rebellion. So we got these Christian values, we got these boundaries, but we don't have this walking with and enjoying. It's not going to work as well. Rebellion could come easy, easier later. You, you, t- you tend to take the values of those that you admire, and you tend to really love those who love you. You tend to really enjoy those who enjoy you. That's a great qu- question for us. Do my kids know that I enjoy them? Spending time with your family leads to very healthy relationships and a greater sense of fulfillment in life, and it's in the Bible. Third thought, God wants you to enjoy Him. It's one thing for me to enjoy, for for God to enjoy me, rather, but, but it's another thing for me to enjoy Him. Do we enjoy God? What do we see him as? You know, I better not make a mistake because he's watching. Do we know that he loves us and do we enjoy him? Do we know really his true character? I love this verse in Psalm 131, verse 2. But I still didn't quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Oh, Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. Here's why I like it. A weaned child. It's talking about us being with, with the Father, but it's using this analogy of a weaned child. Well, if it's not a weaned child, it's after one thing when it comes to mama, right? It's after the milk. But when it is a weaned child, what, the, the thing that's so tender and wonderful about this verse is it's not coming for what it can get anymore. The baby's coming into mom's arms just because it loves being in mom's arms. It's not coming for the milk anymore. It's not coming for what it can get. It's coming just because it loves the presence, that hugging, that holding. And I love that because I think God has that for us that he wants us to know, you know, we're always asking for stuff. Well, he's not opposed to that. But do we like being with him, really? The Bible talks about the prayer closet, that private place of prayer, that getting away, not with the crowd, but just me and God. Joshua 1.8 says this book of the law, talking about the Bible, should not depart from your mouth, but you should meditate therein both day and night that you may observe to do carefully everything written therein. And it says this, if you're in the word on a regular basis, then you will prosper and have good success. This coming closer to God has to do with two things, and, and it, it has to do with us as individuals getting into them. The reading of the word and prayer. This is good, but it's not as good as this. Me and God. God enjoys me. I've learned that. But I want to enjoy all that he is, too. And he likes it when I enjoy him. When my son was 19, he went off to Vanguard in California, in the L.A. area, Costa Mesa. 
And, you know, it's, I don't know, 1,400 miles or something there. And so it might as well be 10,000, right? Because you can't get in a car and go over there. You have to get in a plane there too or take days. So we didn't see him for a couple months. Well, I like seeing him. That was hard on me. As a matter of fact, at Thanksgiving, he was with a family in the morning, but, but we, we didn't bring him home. And, and he, he, he tried to buy a turkey sandwich, and he, and he couldn't get it, so he went to AMPM on you know, Thanksgiving night, and that killed me. I hated it. So I, I was there in a seminar in San Diego, and I was only about an hour and a half from him driving, so I told the guys, hey, I'm taking off tonight. I'm going to surprise Aaron at Vanguard. So I'm driving down there. I don't know if he's going to be excited to see me because, you know, when kids are little, they're like dogs. They're just happy to see you. And, you know, they get excited and run around and jump in your arms. But when they become teenagers, they're like cats. <laughs> you walk in and they go, oh, you. You know, and they just... <laughs> so I, you know, I hope he wants to see me because I really want to see him, right? It's been a long time. And I get to his dorm, and I walk up, and I stick my head in like this. He's got his back turned to the desk there, but his roommate's there. He doesn't know me. He goes, hello? I said, yeah, I've just come to see my son. And Aaron spun around, because you recognize that voice, jumped up, gave me a big hug. He was happy to see me. I liked that. And then he, we, we talked for a little bit. He showed me some things. And then we walked around the campus, and it's late at night. And it was fun. And then he took me to the yogurt place. We got yogurt with about 10 pounds of fruit and candy and stuff all over it, you know. We ate that and got a sugar high. And then we headed down to the beach. And he showed me where, you know, everybody hung out down there. And then we had this crazy thing. I'd never seen it before. The waves were going and the, the moonlight was hitting on the waves. And it looked like lightning going across the waves for hundreds of yards. Have you ever seen that? I'd never seen it before. And I was like, what in the world, you know. And it, it's like God was blessing the moments with cool things. He took me by and showed me the pizza spot, and I had so much fun. Probably top, top five for me uh, times that I had with my son in his growing up years. Then we get back to the dorm, and, you know, I have to go, and I'm a little bit sad, but I said, can I pray for you, Aaron? He says, sure. So I put my arm around him, which is a little bit of a risk, too, because he's, he's, he's like, Alex, hug me, but don't hold me, you know? Uh, <laughs> But I'm a hugger, man. I'm just, I'm, I'm coming in for 1.3, not .005, Alex, all right? I put my arm around him. I started to pray. I said, Lord, this is my son, and I love him, and I want you to bless him and be with him. And while I was praying, it caught me by surprise. He put his arm around me, and he pulled me in close. And I thought, you love me too? This is awesome, you know? It just felt great. And I, I want to tell you, when you enjoy your heavenly father, when you pull him in close, he loves it. That fellowship, that communion, that's what he gave his son's life for. That's part of what he created us for. Not only that he would enjoy us, but that we would enjoy him. James 4.8 says this, come close to God. And God will come close to you. Go out of your way to spend time with God on a regular basis, just you and him. Enjoy him as he has so much to give you. I'll end with this story this morning. I love this little illustration. 
The king of a particular country traveled often, but one day a man living near the palace remarked to a friend, well, it looks like the king's home tonight. How do you know, the other asked. And the man pointed up to the royal house, and he said this, because when the king is home, the castle is all lit up. When we follow these principles that I'm talking about this morning, when we're close, we pull him close and we spend time with him, he resides in us. He's called the light of the world. And when, when he's at home, when we're spending time with him, the castle is lit up. It's different. Our interaction with our spouse, our children, our coworkers is different because he gives us peace, he settles us down. And Acts 2.28 says this, you have made known to me the path of life you fill me with joy in your presence. Come close to him and he'll come close to you.